0: I'm so excited. We have Mila from at The Hangry Woman, or you know, that's her Instagram, but her blog is also hangrywoman.com. Hi, Mila. Thanks for joining
1: us. Hi, Emily. I'm so happy to be talking to you. I literally
0: cannot wait for so many reasons. I'm just gonna list the reasons now. So this will be a little synopsis of like (laughs) I never do this, I never give a rundown, but I'm just so amped to talk to Mila because I've been wanting to talk to her for a while. Um, moral of we're gonna talk. Diagnosis stories, boom. We're gonna talk um, her blog slash recipe situation, boom. But also, I really, really want to get into the the nuts and bolts of recipe testing and all that stuff because you know, for my fellow diet foodies out there, um, we know and love all of your recipes. But to start us off, because I, as usual, I'm getting ahead of myself. Mila, let's let's uh, unpack that diagnosis story, shall we?
1: Yeah, so a crazy one. It's uh, st- I feel like it's still happening almost because it hasn't been that long. Um, but I was first diagnosed with type two diabetes in 2016. I was 26 years old, so I went to the doctor with all the symptoms that we all go with. Like I had to pee all the time. I was getting no sleep because I was up and like in the bathroom every 15 minutes um dry mouth thirsty all the time dropping weight really quickly um but at the time i was also overweight so and i have pcos so it was kind of a okay well it makes sense your insulin resistance you know and your high blood sugars like that all makes sense because of pcos so now like testing your a1c it's very high you're in the diabetes category you have type 2 diabetes and so for me at the time it was really difficult because I was like okay well I know people with diabetes but they're all older <laughs> and I want to do things like knowing that I can like go out and hang out with my friends and go drink and like I'll be okay or I want to know like what the ins and outs of actually living with type 2 diabetes is like because I have no idea I've never like known anyone that really talks about it like my mom has type 2 but we never talked about it until after I got diagnosed. And so I was looking for all of these resources in like millennial fashion. I was like <laughs> Googling, how do you live with diabetes when you're 20?
0: <laughs> still, still figuring that one out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and like, I mean, obviously I didn't find anything, but I was surprised that I didn't really find anything and that I was like looking for all of these resources. And so When I kind of got my diagnosis, I wrote about that. Like I have a blog on the day that I found out um, just how I felt and what that was like. And then I just started writing about diabetes in general and how I was living with it and trying to find some of the joyful moments in it, because a lot of times it's stress and numbers and Uh, just like feeling like you didn't do anything right that day or that you did everything right and it didn't matter because your blood sugar was still high or still too low. And so I wanted to tell people about what that was like, but I also wanted to kind of show people who were newly diagnosed that like it was going to be okay. And there are some things that you have to change about your life and Getting a chronic illness diagnosis that is going to follow you for the rest of your life is not the easiest thing, but you can still find some joy in it. Like, you have to dig really deep <laughs> and work really hard, but you can find some joy there. And so, I just wanted people to see that, like, and see that I wasn't like this extraordinary person living with diabetes. Like, there's so many days where I suck at it and like I don't do a great job and like I don't have it under control and I don't have things all together but then there are some days where I'm like okay like I got through this with all of my normal responsibilities and like if I can do it like it's it's possible to find your way there like it might not be overnight but eventually you'll find your way and you'll find what works for you. And so I started just writing about what life with diabetes is like and started writing about food and recipes and things that I was doing that I found that I was working with because I was like, okay, well, if this works for me, like maybe I can put the idea out there and I can inspire some like, testing or inspiration and so that's what people always tell me after they read my blog they're like well i didn't try your recipe exactly but it inspired me (laughs) to experiment with something that i hadn't even tried before and then i ended up really liking it so kind of like getting people out of that rut with diabetes um and then uh, about four years after my type 2 diagnosis Um, I just noticed that my oral meds weren't working. I was doing like a ton of carb counting and exercising and pre bolusing and like doing all of the things that I knew how to do. And I felt like my blood sugars just weren't right. Like something was just wrong. And I was like, what my effort is not matching these numbers at all. And so I went to I was seeing a primary care doctor at the time And she was amazing. And she had said, well, I don't think that I can handle your diabetes care because I am just not skilled in that area. So I think you need to see an endocrinologist, which is the first time that I was ever referred to an endo, which was really interesting.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Okay, wait, just (laughs) hold on. Sorry. Backing up like a hot second, just want to explain PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's very common. It can um, show symptoms of insulin resistance, um, weight, like difficulty losing weight, but also weight gain. Uh, Obviously, this is not me telling you any of this, but this is just for the listeners who are unaware. Um, And, you know, it does have, you know, sometimes you can have more body hair and you could have, there's just a lot. Google it. It's it's a disease that happens to a lot of people. It doesn't always mean you have active cysts on your ovaries. It's just, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome. We'll repeat, Google it. But um, Mila, I am so a lot of people who have PCOS obviously do have some f- sort of insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm listening to this obviously as an educated type one diabetic who works in the health journalism field, so might know a teeny bit more than like the, you know, someone yeah. who doesn't even know diabetes exists, but uh, I imagine a primary care doctor would be seeing, you know, your GP, that is general practitioner, knew you had PCOS, correct? Yep. Yeah. And they probably knew you had a family history of type 2. Yep. And they probably saw those things and were just like, oh, check, done, solved it, I'm assuming. No um, no hate going to that doctor, but I think that this is extremely common slash I know it is. Um, let alone race playing a factor in that. Obviously, I can't speak to that being a part of my experiences. I am a very white privileged person, but I have heard we've had people on the podcast who have shared their stories as people of color who've had similar experiences in getting a later diagnosis or not being heard. Um, so not to go into that whole different, that could be an entire episode, but I'm just you know curious what's going through your mind at this point and are you advocating do, do you feel like you're being forced to advocate for yourself and you're like hey I still don't feel good or is it more like you know I'm doing everything I'm doing like and your GP was just like I can't you need to go see a specialist
1: yeah well backing up a little bit like the original doctor who diagnosed me I had like this really big push and pull with him because I wanted to try everything I before I went on insulin. Like I was like, because really we had had the conversation and he basically said, you're 26. If you have to go on insulin for type two diabetes, you're not doing what you need to be doing. And so I was like, okay, well like give me three months. We'll try like, I'll like really stick to my diet, really stick to exercise. And at the time, like I mean, I, and like kind of content warning, and I talk about this on my channels all the time, but I was going through a period of disordered eating, over-exercising to compensate for blood sugar numbers, then skipping foods or skipping meals because I was like, well, if my blood sugar is high in this moment, because of exercise or because of this so I can't eat so I can bring it back down and like doing all of these things that weren't healthy to manage my blood sugar. And so obviously that didn't work. It was never going to work. And so I ended up moving on to doing oral medications. And so I started taking, um, metformin, which is very common for PCOS and for, um, insulin resistant diabetes. Some type ones I think take metformin just to help improve insulin sensitivity um i started taking uh, jardiance which is uh i think i don't want to misspeak but it's another oral medication um that helps with like your glucose overall and then i started taking um i think a atorvastatin as like a preventative measure because my doctor was thinking, okay, type two diabetes, potential heart disease. At the time, my blood pressure was really high because my blood sugars were so high and I wasn't feeling good. And so he was like, we're going to put you on that just to make sure. And so I started that way and I would tell my doctor, okay, well, I'm doing all of these things. I'm taking my medicines every day. I'm tracking it. I'm logging it. And I went from a 12% to a 9%. Like that doesn't seem like a big enough jump for me. And he was like, uh, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, it's something we can work on. It's a slow process. Like, you know, do You mean a tw-
0: tw- sorry, sorry. I'm so bad at interrupting people, um, yeah. which, you know, I shouldn't do. But here we are. Uh, 12% to 9%. Do you mean a1c? Or is that? 20. Yeah, so your a1c was at 12. And they were like, you're a type two diabetic.
1: Yep. And my fasting blood sugar, I can never forget it, it was 323 that morning. So had not eaten anything. And that was the conclusion from this was your
0: initial, this is your initial my initial
1: diagnosis. Yeah.
0: And okay.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) it was and looking back now, I have the same reaction as you. Like, if I would have known now what I knew then, I would have been like, This is absolutely not right. And I should go get a second opinion. But I just didn't know. And I had some of those misconceptions too. I was like, black people don't get type one diabetes. Like that's not something that happens in our community, not knowing, like, you know, now I have like a ton of friends (laughs) and I'm like, I I know. The the diabetes community
0: comes out of the woodwork. Like we are all around you. (laughs) Every, every type of human, like age, race, gender, what have you were there. (laughs) Um, and I think that I, I mean, I know I had a really similar diagnosis story to you, so I won't go into that, but, um, Head to season one episode one listeners, if you're curious. Uh, but Mila, I just, you know, it's it's hard to hear it happen to another person, but also there's so many different levels to yours. So you went four years with this misdiagnosis. I went one and a half and I literally talk about it nonstop. Like I'm like, this was hell. How did I live through this? I'm sitting here listening to you and yours and you not only created a blog that was like focused on food, focused on like healthy living, all this stuff, but you're going through such like, I I mean, I imagine when you get on Metformin, which by the way, um, I know you mentioned, but it's you know typically diagnosed for anyone that has any type of insulin resistance. Yeah. It is used to help treat insulin resistance in type one and type two diabetics, but it's usually the initial response for a pre-diabetes or type two diabetes diagnosis because the thought is, okay, this will help you naturally air quotes you listeners can't see me air quoting but I'm air quoting naturally <laughs> bring down your or like help your body absorb the insulin that it is making. Um, without having to add insulin in. So you're, you are at the doctor's office, you're given this initial diagnosis, you go straight from not even pre diabetes, but straight from nothing to type two diabetes. And had you had was this a new doctor for you? Had you had a checkup the year before? Were your numbers elevated?
1: No, so I probably hadn't had a checkup since I was in like,
0: Senior year of high school, because like same. Maybe
1: like (laughs) freshman year of college, because that's when like I had to get like more immunizations or whatever. And then I was like, well, I'll just go get like all the things I need to get and then get screened. And so that's when I found out that I had PCOS was when I did like my well woman visit. And then I was like, okay, well, great. Like (laughs) Now I know about this. And then, you know a few years later i go to the doctor like i hadn't had to go because i just felt fine like i was like yeah. nothing feels wrong like i don't need to like check in and then it wasn't until like right before my diabetes diagnosis like i just felt run down and i felt like all, all, i mean every high blood sugar symptom the fatigue like all of it because i was like basically starving <laughs> like i didn't have insulin right. your body was going into dka Yeah. And so I, I didn't even realize that. And then I'm so lucky, like after I talked to my new endo and we'll get to that part of the story. um, But I'm just so lucky that I didn't have like any complications from that time period. I mean, my blood sugars were consistently over 300, like all the time. And so I felt awful. And that's why I went to the doctor and then got that news. And for me, it was just kind of like, Okay, well, this is like an opportunity to get healthier and to just like change my life. Cause that's kind of the conversation we had. He was like, you know, you're 26, type 2 diabetes is like easily treatable. You can do this, you know, and, and we left off the conversation with like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just gonna like try harder at diet and exercise. That doesn't work. Progresses to oral medication. The conversation then with my doctor is kind of like, okay, well, this is not great. Like, you're barely making improvements and we're going to oral medication so like here we go and then i mean it wasn't until i saw so finally i actually got lucky i had to switch insurance and so i had to switch doctors and i was like whew, okay great <laughs> like i don't have to see this person who's making me feel awful and i can i get a chance to see someone else and so i was really particular about picking a black woman doctor because I wanted somebody who I knew was going to hear me and listen to me. And like the minute that I walked in, I was like, I just need you to listen because I feel like I've been not listened to for a really long time. And here's what I'm feeling and what's happening. And so at first, um, since we were just managing with oral medication, she was like, we're great. Like, let's try this. But then like, we got my A1C down to like six and a half percent on just oral medications, diet and exercise. And I was like, this is amazing. You must like, have
0: been working so hard.
1: I mean, it was like constant. It I, I don't think that I was like, I never had a moment not to think about diabetes in that time period. Like,
0: Yeah. I also don't want anyone listening, thinking that, you know, if you are a type one diabetic, insulin is required at some point. Um, it sounds like Mila, you probably had LADA um, LADA, late, what does it stand for? Late yeah, auto- autoimmune diabetes
1: yeah. in adults. Yep. Yeah. So
0: like there are honeymoon periods. There are people with a specific type of diabetes, whether that be Modi, which, you know, head back to an episode we did with great Modi peeps, but, um, who have names, but SOS, of taking up too much of Mila's time. It's very, Take your insulin. Moral love. I'm not telling Mila this. I'm telling everyone listening. This was a unique situation. Listen to your doctors. Okay, Mila, please continue.
1: <laughs> yeah. So basically, that's what happened. Is uh, we got to a point, got my A1C down. Um, three months later, I go back. We test again. I'm back up to nine. Had not made any changes, and I was like, I finally just like cried in her office, and I was like, I'm doing everything I can, like. I I know that I haven't messed up. I know that I've been like pretty perfect about like getting in exercise and tracking all of my carbs. Like I don't know what else to do, and so that's when she kind of said, "Well, I don't either," <laughs> because
0: I, that's that. It shows a good doctor is totally. literally admitting like, "Hey, this is out of my purview." You know, there's a reason why specific doctors specialize. They usually go to extra schools, they go to extra, or like extra years, they go to extra internships, they learn more about a specific thing. So um, I love your doctor already. She sounds great. Now a word from one of our sponsors. Hey, Christy, have you heard of U.S. Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for
1: it. It's a medical supply company, right?
0: Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for freestyle Libre systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys.
1: Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies?
0: Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone.
1: The actual dream.
0: Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now.
1: Already on their
0: website. And now back to the episode.
1: She was amazing. And so she was like, we're sending you to an endo. And so that's when I met my current endocrinologist. Um, And so he, I sat down in his office and he said, so tell me what's going on. And so I told him literally that whole story up until that point that I just told you guys. And um, then I said, I don't know what to do. Like I I feel like I'm doing everything that I should be doing and everything that I know how to do. And I don't know if there's more, and I'm sure there's more, but like, I just like don't know <laughs> what there yeah. is. And I don't want to go on insulin. And so he's kind of stops me and he goes, okay, well, have you ever heard of LADA? And I said, well, yeah, kind of. Like I know a few people with LADA and he said, that's where I think you are, but we need to do testing to confirm it. And so then he explained to me like everything basically about type one, you're at a point where you're Pancreas, your beta cells are being destroyed. And so you might not have enough insulin production. Have you ever had your C peptides tested? No. Okay, we're going to test your C peptide levels to find out what's going on. And he said there are four antibodies that we're going to test you for. And here's what they mean. And you know, so he goes through the whole thing. We get me tested, and then I come up positive for two of the antibodies. Um, and then my C peptide is what he said is low normal. So he was like, You're still. Producing some insulin, but you're insulin resistant from PCOS and you're also not producing enough. So you're going to have to go on insulin. Um, and so he was like, we're going to officially diagnose you with LADA. You should consider this a honeymoon period, but your honeymoon period basically can last you from now until forever (laughs) or it can you know you'll notice when you need more insulin or you start to see some like really sharp declines in your insulin sensitivity like you'll know you'll know when that happens and we'll continually test you and so that was like a breath of fresh air for me because I felt like I had been doing so much and like I said like diabetes was on my mind twenty four seven. I could not think of anything else because I was just thinking of like what do I have to do to like keep my A one C in this level. Right. Uh, but there's
0: also such I don't I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but when I was misdiagnosed, like that interim where I don't know how people with type 2 manage this because it feels like a mountain of blame and it is not someone's fault. There are a slew of things that contribute to any type of diabetes diagnosis, one of which may be diet, but that does not diet, a bad diet in itself does not land you in any type of diabetes. So, um, it's just so disheartening when you're working your butt off, not eating any carbs, exercising a ton. Yeah. And it's really easy to slip into any type of disordered eating when you have that, you know, a doctor breathing down your neck being like, You're not doing enough. This is on you. You're not putting in this extra time, this extra mile. I'm like, literally, I am. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> I couldn't do anything more. And I'm your A1's like my A1C was still going up. Yeah. So it's just like the the weight of like fault almost from any type of diabetes diagnosis but specifically a type 2 because the thought process is oh insulin is the end of the line for you Mm -hmm. like this is awful like you're always going to be on insulin if you have to go on insulin and you know insulin is there for a reason and if your body's not making the most of what you have or if you aren't creating any, in the case of a type one diabetic,
1: got it. it's not like, going
0: to magically start doing it. <laughs> there, there are no yeah. avocado, no cinnamon, nothing is going to create a situation where it's going to magically start working again. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just, it is <laughs> what it is. And totally. um, the fact that it took you four years for someone to be like, Hey, this isn't your, like, this isn't anything you're doing. This is something you have. I yeah that makes me want to cry for you but also I have like PTSD from being sat down and having that same conversation like it's like a yeah. weight lifted off your shoulder but then another weight comes crashing down cuz like jk this is forever <laughs> until they yeah. find a cure so it's and like a a crazy thing right it, yeah. it feels like a roller coaster
1: totally and that's one of the things that really threw me for a loop also was the Moment that he told me I had Lada, like I almost wanted to start crying because I was like, that means that this is forever. Like I with type two had this kind of like light at the end of the tunnel, hope basically that was drilled into me with my care team. That was like, if you work hard enough with diet and exercise, like you can basically like reverse it. You can go into right. remission. And I like to call it
0: remission. Remission. It's like yeah. A hill I will die on. You cannot <laughs> reverse Do it. Diabetes. cannot go
1: away like it's it not it's not always go gonna go be away. there
0: yeah. like any type it you unless it's gestational which is a whole separate thing you cannot yeah. and even then you can't really reverse it while you have gestational diabetes it's after you give birth but that again yeah. is a whole other thing <laughs> so yeah we'll save remission for this but yeah so for that, me that thought came
1: immediately like oh my god like okay well insulin's going to be like a rest of my life kind of thing it's not going to be this like you have this goal to be able to get off of it. And I like commend and applaud anyone who can manage by, you know, not having to take insulin that can manage with lifestyle um, changes. And I like, I think that's such a great thing, but I, I think a lot of doctors kind of put this hope into your head sometimes that like, that is the end goal when it's like being healthy is the end goal. And if that takes taking insulin or taking oral medications, like that's not a bad thing either. And that doesn't necessarily mean a patient is not trying to do the healthiest thing for themselves. And so to me, the, even the shift in that messaging, like seeing primary care doctors who mainly have type two patients, the conversation always shifted to like, you are not doing this thing rather than we need to tweak your treatment. And so when I started meeting with my endo, the conversation was always like, okay, your A1C is this number. It's just a number. This just means that we need to try something else. And so the benefit with LADA is I can try oral medications or um, like do a full insulin routine or a blend of the two. And so I think what's like cool about working with my endo on that is he's always open and he's always like, we can tweak anywhere. So don't ever feel like You're doing something wrong necessarily. Like you might be, and we might have to like figure it out and talk about it. Yeah, Yeah, but you know, he was like, take away the the blame of yourself for a number, and just look at the number as your data, and then decide what you got to do with that data and move on for the to the next point. And so that's always been really helpful for me. Um, But it's so sad that those conversations are so different, and um, that made me even more compassionate for people with type two just having been there and been through it and been like on the other side of that where someone's blaming you and then being on like the other side of that disease and people are like it's not your fault it's okay and being like
0: what
1: (laughs) Like, which one is true because it's different you hear it in different ways from different people so that's always been like a really weird thing for me going through a diagnosis twice Right For, you know, two different diseases, it's like you see just where the stigma shows up and how it shows up. Um, I actually had
0: the same doctor diagnose me.
1: Really? So
0: she was, she never admitted that she was wrong either. She was like, I mean, I was basically, I was going into DKA at this, at this point. I'd been seeing her for a year and a half, but I hadn't been in her office for like four months at that point um, until I finally got to see her again. And they ran my A1C it was basically this big dramatic thing. They didn't think that I was like, I was checking my blood sugar once a week. Cause with type two, they like randomly pull these like, Oh, check it once a week and see what it is. Like, mm-hmm. okay, sure. Now we know that doesn't do that much, but whatever. <laughs> um, and I'd been calling her office with all these high 300 blood sugar numbers for months and no one, they were just like, Oh, we'll no we'll let the out. doctor know. We'll let the doctor know just drink more water. And I'm like, Okay, so like obviously, like going into TKA, like high key dying, and I was home for like a minute, and so I went in to see her. Or their office called, and I was like, "I'm in Jacksonville. Like I will come into your office." And they're like, "You need to get to an ER." I was like, "No, I'm just coming into your office. Like, what's going on?" And they were like, "We thought you were calling about one high blood sugar number, and we're anxious about it because we see on your chart you have anxiety." And I'm like. Literally, no, I've been calling with different numbers every time and it's been for months and they were like, oh, come in. They did my A1C. It was like in the nines, whatever it was at that point. And she was just like, oh, you have type one. Meanwhile, they had tested me for all the antibodies and it came back positive for like one of them for type one. And um, they did that about a year prior. And she was like, oh, I didn't think anything of it because of your age. That was literally it. Like, what? I was like, you're not my doctor anymore. Like, um, things for nothing. Literally almost died on your watch. Like, now you have a lifetime hater over here. But, anyways, I'll let go of it eventually. Um, I do want to, like, segue a little bit to I don't think that was proper English. So I hope my boss wasn't listening to that. But um, I want to hear a bit about how your blog is going at this time. But I also like and how you're kind of shifting. I remember when you announced that you got the LADA diagnosis. Um, I'm curious slash I know the answer to this, but I'm curious and I'm sure the listeners are as to the different rhetoric you were getting from followers during that time, because it personally made me very angry, but I'm, I'm excited to hear um, your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, it was really interesting before I revealed my LADA diagnosis because I obviously was working from the perspective that I had type two diabetes. And so I would always say You know, there's like this difference in language and the way that people talk to and about people with type 2 diabetes. And it's really unfair. Um, You know, when we're all working toward the same goal and the same thing. And I feel like people with type 2 get thrown under the bus to, protect people with type one from having their feelings hurt about being lumped in with people with type two. But like, we all have to address the stigma. If it's stigma against one type, it's stigma against all of us. Like the average Joe does not know, oh, there are 11 types of diabetes. Like I should stigmatize this one. Like (laughs) nobody knows that when they're talking about diabetes, they're making jokes about all of us. And so, um, you know, for me, seeing the way that people talk to me when I was speaking from the perspective of someone with type two, I mean, it was always like very ableist, very fat phobic, um, telling me to get off my ass and lose weight, because that's how I'm going to, like, you know, get rid of my type two diagnosis, all Which, of the by instances. the way,
0: <laughs> Halle Berry has type two diabetes. This is my go-to piece of info. Yeah, Weight does not it's not the biggest factor in any type of diabetes. And I, that is a hill I will die on. Please continue.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, all of it, like all of the worst things that you could think about, um, what things people would say to me, I had gotten featured in this article on yahoo.com and I will like never forget it. I, I do not read the comments on blogs outside of my own. It just is in place to protect space. my mental health yeah. and it's fine. But I was featured in this article on yahoo.com and it made it to the front page of Yahoo, which it was like a diabetes story. Like my literally my diagnosis story. Um, and it was when I thought I had type two before my lot diagnosis. um, And so I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is a way for me to talk about life with type two, how I am able to find some of those joyful moments, how difficult it is and how misunderstood it is. And like the reporter did an amazing job. It was great. And so I saw the piece. I was like, cool. It's up there. Awesome. I have a link to it now. It's fine. And then uh, my friend texted me and said, hey, my cousin saw you on the front page of Yahoo, and it was really cool, but then he clicked on the comments on the article and started reading them and it was really sad for you. And Why I was like, Why would they like, tell
0: you that? No. Why would <laughs> yeah. they tell you that? No. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, afraid or, afraid. my morbid curiosity, I was yeah. like, hmm, I wonder you what cannot they look at it. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I scrolled through and like 700 comments on this article, like almost all of them stigmatizing. Um, pointing blame at me, making jokes and saying like I had like a cup of water in the video and they were like, it's probably filled with Pepsi, you know, like all of these really stupid things. Also, Pepsi uh, does
0: not cause diabetes again. Right, yeah, like, like- we
1: are again. And so I, di- I actually did this video kind of in like the celebrities read mean tweet style about like mean comments that I get on articles or like YouTube or whatever. And so it was really funny because it was able to highlight diabetes stigma like really easily. But it also made me see how judgmental people are. And so now the comments that I get, they're, I think they're a lot different in terms of getting really pointed and direct comments that are like, you're fat, this is, or this food is why you have diabetes or this recipe, you know, like stuff like that doesn't appear as much on my channels. Um, now that I have kind of switched, but I've even, (laughs) what's funny is I've taken like type one out of my bio or LADA out of my bio, because I was like, it doesn't matter to me. Like I have the right diagnosis for me and I, I know that I'm in a good place with that. But I really want people to see like, obviously, like, you know, each type of diabetes has their own individual and unique characteristics. But at the end of the day, like a lot of things overlap for all of us of all types. And so I kind of took out like type one, even out of my bio, because I was like, I want people to think about diabetes in general, like if they can wrap their head around that, they can wrap their head around how multifaceted it is. Um, and and also
0: creating content that is applicable to all diabetics. So, like, and I mean, I I hope that's what Pancreas Pals is for people, but we go into the nitty gritty of like DKA as a child with type one. Like, you know, there are certain things that do differentiate the diabetes, but again, they overlap in such a way that, like, I think a 90 year old type two diabetic would listen to this and be like, AKA my grandpa would listen to this and be like, Oh my God. Yeah. I get high blood sugars and low blood sugars too. And they suck, you know, but like the content you're creating, you know, your recipes, the stuff like that, that can be enjoyed for every human, you know, no matter what, if they're on a low carb, high carb, no, no diet diet. So, um, I feel like that makes sense to
1: me. Yeah. One of the other things that surprises me is, um, last week, even I got like four messages, from people who are like, I don't even have diabetes and your content is so entertaining to me and makes me understand more about what people with diabetes are going through. And then like, it's usually like I have this family member and I had no idea that like all of this stuff was on their mind or, um, you explained the insulin crisis in a tangible way that I could understand. And now I want to go read more about it. And like, Understand it more because you brought this up in a way that like right. I could digest and understand, and so that has always been really important to me too. Is creating content that is accessible to people in a way where it's like, okay, you can understand this in 30 seconds or less, and then if you want to know more, you can go research. But if right. not, like here's the gist of something. Um, that can make you think about diabetes a little deeper. And then I also just like talking about the emotional side of it because I don't think that that gets highlighted enough. Yeah. Yeah. So like those little mental things that we think about or um, even those like funny little things like giving your blood sugar a personality, (laughs) 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 like super sassy all the time. And like, yeah, I mean when I'm low, my boyfriend would be the first one.
0: Like when we moved, we've been together for three years and when we moved in together in December, like I realized, I got I mean, he's like you've always been like this when you have a bad low. I'm like,
1: oh my god, <laughs> this is like I never knew. Yeah, yeah. So all of those things, like just being conscious of representing diabetes in a way that is true and authentic to my experience with it, but also hoping that like someone else will see it and be like, oh man, me too, and like it starts a conversation or it, like, makes someone feel seen and, like, somebody does understand what they're going through. Because I think for a lot of us, like, before I started blogging, I didn't know a single person in my age group with diabetes or, like, before I, like, started kind of, like, looking on Instagram for other people. Um, And there is a bit of uh, shame
0: associated with with diabetes in general, no matter what kind you
1: have. So, like,
0: at least... I mean, I was diagnosed in 2014, so it was, like, right when Instagram was, like, Mm low-key starting. I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember (laughs) barely having one and, like, posting food pictures. Yeah. Um, But... It, there was no, uh, you know, obviously there were Facebook groups and stuff like that, but like, I wasn't going to join a Facebook group at like 20 yeah. years old. when <laughs> I was. St- it was like a whole thing. And now I look at what you've created. I look at, which is on a much bigger scale than Bankrius Pals, but just the level of people that we have writing into us and followers. Yeah. And I mean, for my day job, I do get a much, like a huge audience, um, working at Hearst, but, uh, and getting to write about diabetes, and you know, being featured on different magazines within the company. it's it's yeah. insane the amount of people that reach out and they're like, "I didn't know a single person with diabetes and your your podcast, your essay in good housekeeping, your diagnosis story and prevention, like changed the way that I think about the disease. and like helped me disclose this to my new college roommate or made me feel better about my son who was recently diagnosed, and I knew no one. It's just, you know, Having these platforms is such a privilege, and being able to connect with people is also a privilege. But I could talk your ear off about that. But in the last few minutes, I really did want to want to hop into some of your recipes, if that's cool with you. Totally, Um, (laughs) I love the Food Life listeners who've been with us for a minute. They know I used to work for Martha Stewart, uh, the website. I wrote about food, but I wasn't, you know, recipe testing. But I loved looking at all of our recipe testing content. So you make recipes, you come up with some recipes, uh, you have some really dope partnerships with some cool brands that are both low carb and just generally, I hate the word diabetic friendly because like yeah. everything's diabetic friendly, but they're, you know, that's, that's what people say they're diabetic friendly. Yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, like sweeteners and, uh, higher carb keto friendly. If you, I'm just saying a whole bunch of buzzwords, yeah. but when did you get started with the recipe lifestyle? Like when was that? taking off for you? Was it when you were first diagnosed and looking for low carb stuff that actually tasted good or was it even further back in your life?
1: Yeah. So it was further back than that. Um, I didn't know how to cook until I started college. And it was probably like my third year of college that I learned how to cook. So like a little far into my twenties and I would make recipes and I lived in this like really unique housing situation um, where I had four male roommates, (laughs) so it was like four boys and me. And I was just learning how to cook. And I was like, I will share everything with you that I cook. Like I'll leave it out on the counter, but I'm just testing these things out and you know, whatever. And so I would make things and leave them out. They would eat them. They'd be like, how did you make this? What is this? You should post it on Facebook. And I was like, okay, cool. And so then I started posting on Facebook and got the same questions. And so when (laughs) 10 people asked me the same question, I was like, you know, I'm just going to like stick it on a WordPress blog and like you guys can have the link, and like there will be a picture. And I still have some of like my old photography. If you scroll back far enough, it's absolutely hilarious. Vintage. we're here for it. <laughs> yeah, before I even like knew what to do with the camera, um, and so I just started putting recipes up on social media. Uh, when I kept getting asked questions, I was like, "Here's a link," and I wrote down the recipe, and you can have it. Um, and then it over time, just as I, I think I started that in like 2012. And then in 2016, I got diagnosed with diabetes. And so after that, when my first instinct and kind of first direction was change your diet, I was like, well, I can try making blood sugar friendly things. And yeah, (laughs) we're going to try some stuff and see what happens. And so I started writing about like baking and my food adventures and trying sugar substitutes and sweeteners and seeing what they did to my blood sugars and just experimenting with things. And I was like, if I can, you know, turn something that I really love blood sugar friendly and make a healthy swap and make it work for me, like I think people would be really interested in hearing that. And so a lot of my recipes are kind of with that mentality, like I think if you had to put like a theme to my whole entire website it's really about like making healthy swaps so it's like you can use all-purpose flour in this recipe but if you'd like to try a blend of all-purpose flour oat flour and almond flour you get a good balance of protein carbs and fat and like this is why this works and so like being able to kind of explain that to people in the ways that i found that they work and then also being able to say experiment with this and try it out. And like, here's a first go. Here's something that I tested for you like three or four times to make sure that it would come out. And like, you know, that you can count on this recipe, but don't be afraid to like add nuts to these, you know, muffins because you like them or stick a handful of chia seeds in this juice because that's something that you like to do. Like don't be afraid to tweak things Is kind of how I approach my audience Um, and lately I think I've been doing less cooking, which everyone has hated. I've got like an email a day that's like, when are you going to post a new recipe on your website? (laughs) Like it's coming. I promise. I'm sorry. (laughs) She's busy guys. Come on. Life happened. And so I'm trying to restart my life. It's fine. And so, um, yeah, I, I get that email every so often, but right now I'm kind of focusing on informational content about food. So really explaining like why certain things work or um, like uh, food hacks that I really love. Like I love eating mango, but mango always will spike my blood sugar and it's so delicious and I will go list for it. But I notice I have a lower spike if I pair it with yogurt and chia seeds. And so like sharing little things like that um that I've really helped thought about people.
0: Getting your RD, a registered, becoming a registered dietitian, or doing a nutritionist uh, course.
1: I want to do it so badly, and I've looked into it, and it's so expensive. It's money. I've
0: been looking into it also. So yeah. anyone listening, especially <laughs> my parents, don't hold your breath. It's not happening. Yeah.
1: Anyway, <laughs> I I have the like huge desire to do it because I feel like I already kind of do half the job through. Right, we know more. I do. Yeah, yeah. And we can see it.
0: Like, do you have a CGM or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I do. I so, do. So for those
0: listening who don't know what a CGM is, it's a continuous glucose monitor that measures the level of interstitial of glucose in the interstitial fluid, fluid in between your layers of skin. Um really sexy, I know, but life-saving technology. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend if you can afford it, if you have health insurance coverage, that's a whole other thing and it's not great if you're in the US, but if you're in like the UK, do it up, live us, live your life, tell us yes. how it is. Um we are running out of time here. I feel like I could have like a whole season with you on because I just – you're great and I find everything so interesting. Final question for you. Um, also, sorry, I know I cut you off, but I just really wanted to ask this question. So yeah. I'm not sorry. Um, is, do you remember the first recipe you ever made That was that you were like, I want to do this for life? Oh,
1: goodness. The first recipe I ever made – That made me feel like I want to do this for life. I feel like there are probably two on my mind. Um, One is (laughs) the, it's like the first thing that I ever made that went viral, and it's called a chaffle and so like if you don't know what a chaffle is it's literally and this is going to sound so disgusting so don't judge me but you take cheese and you stick it in a waffle maker you mix it with egg um, almond flour or coconut flour and seasoning or spices you like fry it in the waffle maker when you take it out and you like put it on a plate you give it like three minutes it crisps up and it's a high fat low carb waffle it's like, it tastes like a waffle. Like it's crazy. And so, um, I made one and they went viral and it was like the coolest experience ever. Cause like, I was like, Oh my God, so many people are seeing this recipe. It's so fun. Um, like I said, super high fat. So <laughs> one <of> those, like <laughs> yeah. very rich things that you maybe want to like not do all the time, but right. in place of, you know, a waffle if you're trying every so often. Um, but I think that one was really cool. And then another recipe that has done really well on my site is a family recipe for Jamaican oxtail, which is like a kind of like stewed beef dish. Um, and so I was able to take that and another recipe and do kind of like a healthy flip on them for eating well. Um, which was really really? cool. Cool. Yeah, Yeah. Because it was like, I get to take some traditional dishes that are usually told, like I was told, I couldn't really eat Jamaican food after I got my diabetes diagnosis. And I, that's a big part of why I started kind of documenting recipes too. I was like, I'm gonna be a little rebellious here and I'm gonna try different things. Like whether it's changing the portion sizes and making a giant banana bread, eight mini loaves of banana bread or if it's changing the ingredients and swapping things out to lower the carb count or balance out the fats like I really love that healthy swap idea and so that shows through in a lot of my recipes but I think those two are probably the two recipes that I feel like that made me see that like Okay, that's what I want to do. Like, I want people to enjoy something so much that they go back to my website, log in, leave a comment <laughs> about how much they love it, and then like continually make it, and it's like a staple in there.
0: That in their they kitchen. both sound worth it. Um, yeah, <laughs> sign me up. Well, thank you so much, Mila. Again, you're the best. Everyone, be sure to follow Mila on Instagram at the Hangry Woman. Head to her blog, Hangry. Is it thehangrywoman.com? Either one. It's just, oh, is it both? Damn, check you out. Okay, (laughs) either thehangrywoman.com or hangrywoman.com. Be sure to follow us on pink on pancreas pals. (laughs) Yeah. On that too. But mostly on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals on Facebook at pancreas pals, PP, Uh, slide into our DMS on both. We love hearing from you. Hit us up with an email, which some of you do, which is really cool and we're here for it. And that that. is pancreas. Isn't it cute? pals 123 at gmail.com. We'll be back with another episode. You're going to hear from Miriam soon. We're going to check in on her and little Bibi Max. And you're going to hear from Christy soon. So be sure to keep up with us in season nine, which is wild. So, so, so glad we finally got you on the podcast, Mila. And thank you a million times.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right, guys. Have a great rest of your week. And thanks again. Today's episode was brought to you by U.S. Med Supply. Thanks for listening. Hey, Christy. Have you heard of U.S. Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial
1: for it. It's a medical supply company, right?
0: Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys.
1: Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies?
0: Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone
1: the actual dream.
0: Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website.